This podcast is presented to you by the Young Adults Ministry of Faith Chapel San Diego. To find out more, please visit faithchapelsd.com. You to just really show him big honor tonight and welcome him as he comes to bring the word of God to us. And I get to wear a hat tonight. Yeah. Josiah said, Dad, you got to wear a hat tonight. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I'll watch him with his hat backwards. I like to wear it backwards too, so I hope you don't mind either. Anyway, good evening. Such a blessing to be here. And the uh, topic just is, like Josiah said, it's real close to my heart. I love working with couples. I love working with young people. Uh, I love counseling uh, I love helping uh, marriages that, that need a boost and, or something's going on. I just recently met with a, fa- a couple that called me from another church, called me, went over and met with them, and I just got a text recently. They're, they're doing great. It helped them. But that's, that's one of the joys of my life is to be able to pour into somebody and watch them just get transformed, especially in a marriage relationship. That is so huge. And I'm going to share a few points with you tonight that are very important for you to get because it's going to really show you what's in my heart as to what I believe, why you have a wife, a husband. There, and, and those of you, and I'm really going to really speak to uh, people here that have a desire. This is what the conference is all about this coming Friday, Saturday. Okay, You have a desire to be married. You have a desire to have someone in your life. And I'm hoping I can share some thoughts with you that's going to really help you in that area. And that those of you that are married, hopefully be able to help you develop something that God is already doing in your life. But I entitled tonight's message, uh, Building a Spiritual Foundation or Spiritual uh, Partnership. And uh, that's what we're doing. That's what God wants us to do. Uh, so, Keep this in mind that the decisions that we make are meant to last a lifetime. So, Father, thank you for the anointing. Thank you for grace. Thank you for supernatural recall on what I feel you've spoken to me, what I have down just on my notes, but I pray that you bring it across that will literally transform people's lives and help them in their relationships in Jesus' name. So, this is what I don't want uh, for people to grasp or to be able to happen to you, you know, is that they get to a point in their marriage or relationship that they look at their life and they ask themselves, I wish if, you know, that they could have become, you know, or gone with somebody else than who they chose because maybe they would have been a little bit wiser in the choice that they made. You got to remember something. Marriage is a lifetime commitment. Marriage is something that we, we go after, not for a year or two. It's a lifelong commitment, and you have to be wise in who your marriage partner is going to be, who you choose. And I want to deal with this issue tonight because our choices will either enhance our future, grow our future, or hinder it. I've seen this. I've been, I've been enough in the Lord. I've been walking with the Lord long enough and work with couples in, diff, in many, many different countries. But work with couples where I have seen where people have made poor choices 
and their walk with the Lord has been hindered tremendously because of what they have chosen. you got to recognize this. Each of you, every one of you sitting in this room, has a potential that God has placed within you. And it is our job. You're married. It is your job as a co-laborer with God to nurture, to fine-tune, to draw it out, that potential that is in your partner, to challenge one another to grow and become all that God has designed for you. That is, that is, that is, your, that is God's heart for you. Every one of you here that are married, God brought you together to enjoy life together. But it goes much deeper than that, much greater than that. God's desire for you is to pull out of your wife, co-labor with God, to pull out of her what God has purposed for her, what God has designed for her, to pull out of her her potential and her job for you as well. Same thing for you, Aaron, Michelle, come on. It is, it is your job to look at each other and see what God is doing at each, with each other and say, come on, come on, you can do this, come on, let's go further, come on, I challenge you. Yeah. It is what you have to do. Not just, it's not just, you know, uh, get married, watch TV, go to a movie, go to church, you know, whatever, you know, we do in life. It, it's much greater than that, much deeper than that. You have to see the heart of God for your relationship. The scripture says that two are better than one. We know that. So we have to be able to draw. There's some scriptures, only a few scriptures that I pulled out tonight. One's in Proverbs 18.22. And it basically just states, I love it in the, in, the, uh, uh, in, the, in the King James, but it basically just states that he that finds a wife finds a, a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Aaron, you have, you have favor, brother. You found a good wife. You've obtained favor from the Lord. And the other one goes with, uh, with this in 1914, Proverbs 19.14. It talks about a prudent wife. A man, a, a man that obtains a wife finds a prudent wife. The word prudent there just literally just means a, a, a wife of understanding, a wise woman. When you have been given a wife from God, it is a wife that is a prudent, understanding, wise woman wife that is given to you for a reason, not just to cook your meals, wash your clothes, clean the house, help you raise the kids. It goes much deeper than that, much deeper, because God has a purpose for your marriage. He's got a purpose for you. You will either build one another up and complement each other or stifle and hinder and com or completely stop what God has for you. You have that ability. And there's a couple of scriptures also in Proverbs 12, 4. I don't know if we have that in the... Um, they're working on it. In Proverbs 12, 4, I like it in the Passion Translation. I have my Passion Translation there, but I, I, I thought maybe we can go ahead and pull it up on the board. But it basically talks about how a, a, uh, a wife... And I want, to, I want to actually get me my... My passion translation, please. I want to really read it from the passion. Right there. 
I want you to see what this is, because when I saw it in the, in the Passion, I thought, I need to read it from the Passion Translation. And it's Proverbs 12, 4, and it basically says, check this out. The integrity and strength of a virtuous wife transforms her husband into an honored king. But the wife who disgraces her husband weakens the strength of his identity. He has an identity as your husband. You can draw that out and make, make him or break him. You can draw that out and make something great out of him. But what you develop in him, God wants to develop something and uses you to do it many times. That's why he puts you together. We have that ability with each other to complement each other or hinder each other. Chapter 14, kind of a heavy scripture here. It says, every wise woman encourages and builds up her family. But the foolish woman over time will tear it down with her own actions. We have that ability to build it or tear it down. Let me, let me you know, it, it is so crucial that you get a lot of what I'm sharing with you because a lot of what I'm sharing with you deals with we have one life. We have one life that God has given to us. And in this life, God has given you the ability to accomplish great things for the kingdom. And so many times we don't take advantage of that. And God places you with somebody to help you. She's called a helpmate. But you partner together as heirs of life, the scripture says, to be able to pull together what God has in his kingdom as a couple. As a couple. And in many cases, some scriptures that I read deal with the women, but in many cases, it's the husband that's lagging and the wife that's on fire. I've seen this time and time again. She, she's just like going and trying to drag her husband along. Come on, you know, and many times that's the case. So it works both ways. We both have to take advantage of this. See, I've met people, you know, many times women, 50s, 60s, 70s, still single. And we begin to talk and they tell me, nah, I don't think I'll ever get married. And I look at them and I say, you know, you were designed by God to love and to be loved. Why don't you take advantage of that? Have you ever asked God for a husband? Have you asked God for a wife? Because I believe that's absolutely true. Unless you have the gifting of being, a, being single, unless you know that God is telling you that you, you need to remain single the rest of your life, that's fine. That's a gift. That's fine. Nothing wrong with that. But if that's not the case, and deep in your heart you would like to have someone to love and to be loved by someone, you need to be asking God. You need to be seeking the Lord for that. You have not because you ask not. I believe that with all my heart. Women desire security. They want to be secure in their life. And they just want to be loved. I believe that. I've seen that over and over again. And it goes right along with Ephesians chapter 5, where Paul the Apostle 
is given the order of a husband and a wife. Husband requires respect. The wife requires love. They both work together, and they both benefit each other with, with each other those gifts. The problem many times that we have with relationships, okay, is if we get, like many times, I, I love teaching evangelism. It's also one of my, one of my favorite subjects. I love, I love evangelism. I love discipleship. And many times I share the scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 or 4, where it talks about that the, the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. There's a blinding veil that keeps people from seeing the gospel message or seeing the reason for salvation. But I also believe that there is a blinding veil that we bring upon ourselves, blind to the truth when it comes to other people. That many times we desire a partner in life, but yet we're blinded by our emotions. We're blinded by our feelings. We're blinded by the things that we are allowing in our life. I know Josiah a couple weeks ago brought out, he did a very good job in talking about sex and pornography. I want to just touch on that briefly. And he mentioned this, but it's the absolute truth. Premarital sex literally breeds confusion and clouds the vision for truth in a person's life, in a person's heart. Literally by the chemicals that are released in the brain that literally were meant for marriage. I've been studying this more and more, and there's going to be a lady at, at, the Revi at the Revival Alliance Conference that you need to come and listen to her. Her name's Dr. Caroline Leaf. I've been doing a lot of studying on her, her research as a neuroscientist and how the brain works and how your, 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 your brain releases specific chemicals either feel-good chemicals or toxic chemicals, depending on what you are allowing in your life or what you allow to come through your soulish realm and feed you. And it will produce either life or will produce uh, many times disease. That's why many times people are sick. So anyway, premarital sex tends to breed a realm of confusion. And interesting, in the book of Hosea, chapter 4, verse 6, the Bible says that uh, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. That's a heavy scripture. People are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Now, a few years ago, I've been going to Africa uh, literally by obedience. 2004, the Lord told me to go. I wasn't interested in Africa. I'm just being totally honest. I always tell people, I'm not afraid to tell people, I was not interested in Africa. I was going to South America. I speak Spanish. Lord, I speak Spanish. And the Lord told me, go to Africa. And so I went to Africa out of obedience. And God just opened doors, amazing doors. Pastors started coming together. 50 pastors, 2,450, 2,005, went on and on and on. Uh, a, couple, a couple years ago, I had 500 pastors in Tanzania that I was doing a conference for. Uh, uh, my brother Edwin, oh, Edwin, are you still here? He was with me in that conference. We spent a week in, uh, in, in, in Tanzania and two weeks in Kenya. And then uh, in 2014, I saw a need in Africa, tremendous need in Africa for um, the youth, for relationships. I kept hearing how the youth are out of control. It, it, it's not an Africa thing. It's a global thing. 
not an Africa thing. It, it, it's here in America. It, it's everywhere. But I kept hearing from the pastors there what was going on. So I, I, I just felt in my spirit I needed to do a conference for youth, for young people, relationships. And I, I did some meeting with certain pastors, and I told them, this is what I am going to bring in this conference. And so we butted heads because it was, it was not cultural. It was taboo, I was told, to talk about certain things that I was going to talk about to the youth. Until they got to the point to where I finally had to tell them, look, I'm a Latino man. I know the Latino culture. I started school in Sonora, Mexico. My first language is Spanish. I've been many countries in South America, Central America, and several places in Mexico. I said, I know the Latino culture. I said, you talk to me about your culture. I said, but you have a book in front of you right there. It's the same book that I have. It's called the, the God's Word that you're accountable to. You're going to be accountable to that book regardless of what your culture says. And the pastor put his head down and says, you know, you're right. Yeah, that's right. And he says, go ahead and teach. You know, it was interesting the way he put it, though. <laughs> he said, because you're a foreigner and because you're white, you can teach. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so I did. I had about 50 young people that came. Most of them were not, were not married. And I did uh, like three days of training. And actually what happened is I ended up taking this book. I had been studying this book by Pastor Gary Thomas. Uh, I took every person that came to the uh, conference a book, and I took one of these to each pastor that I was uh, meeting with. It's called Sacred Search by Gary Thomas. Really good book. If you're not married, uh, looking for someone, it's excellent material to be able to give you some direction on... Um, on relationship. So I studied this, and, uh, and a lot of what I taught, a lot of what I taught just came out of my own experience, but a lot of what I taught literally came out of here as well. And it went well. Everything went really, really good. And I started doing these conferences in 2016, 2017, and I did one. Um, in 2017, I started doing leadership conferences, couples, and last, uh, in 2018, I did one in Kenya. I had 29 cu uh, couples, all leaders, bishops and pastors, with their wives that came. And uh, I actually taught two nights on the five love languages, which I had been studying as well. Good book. So anyway, so that's where a lot of this desire just for Africa to help the, the African uh, a couple or male, I was teaching them, you know, a, a lot of it is just different cultural things. But it, my desire was to help you to learn how a man should treat his wife, how a man should treat a woman, a girlfriend, you know, what's right, what's not right, what's scriptural, what's not scriptural. And, and we, we got into it, you know, and, and it was really good because it gave him a platform to ask questions, which the churches don't do over there. They don't talk about stuff like this in church. And I kept telling them, no wonder your, your youth are, are, are crying out for help and just do whatever they feel is, they understand. So, so things started really progressing and growing. And, but the knowledge many times that affect your, your, your life, that what you need to learn about people and about other people will affect you for decades, especially in a marriage relationship. It's crucial that you, you learn 
about the other person, that you don't make a superficial decision concerning somebody else. And I was bringing a lot of this there in Africa. The other night, I went to, to, uh, to the hospital to go see uh, my nephew's brand new baby, Elijah's brand new baby, and uh, Elijah and Sandrea's brand new baby, the first, first child, little boy. And so this was Friday night. So I went and uh, uh, walked in. And I, I greeted them and had the little baby. Uh, she had the little baby, uh, Sandrea, on her, on her chest, you know, and little tiny uh, uh, baby boy, healthy, praise God. Uh, and so um, as the little baby was sitting there just sleeping, it just reminded me of something that I did many years ago. You talk about knowledge. There's knowledge that it will affect you for decades. And some knowledge that basically we're just, we don't know what we're talking about. And I remember, I asked Sandrea, I said, you know what I did a few years ago, Sonny? She goes, what? I says, I went to a hospital to see somebody, a new mom, to see somebody's uh, baby and congratulate her. And she had her baby just like you have yours. The baby was asleep. And I sat there and I asked mom, I said, how many days before your baby opens his eyes? She goes, he's not a cat. <laughs> you know? and, it, and it dawned on me. Uh, that was not the good thing to say. I didn't realize because cats don't open their eyes for many days. And I'm thinking, how many days before your baby opens his eyes? She goes, he's not a cat. <laughs> what do I know? So sometimes we don't always have knowledge on certain things. That's no big deal. But when it comes to relationships, we don't want to be blinded. We don't want to be blinded as to who, you know, who we're dealing with. And many times we're being led by emotions or feelings instead of a godly character towards that tends to produce poor behavior, character flaws, or short-sighted commitments. See, because men are visual. Men are visual and women are relational. It, it, it's, it's true. I, 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 I mean, that's just a fact. Men are visual. Women many times are relational. And uh, I'm going to ask you a question. I actually asked this question, in, uh, and I was in Africa in one of the meetings. And uh, many times because we're blinded by our own behaviors, we don't always act the way we're supposed to act. So what movie was this line spoken at? It's not what you do. It's not who you say you are that defines you. It's what you do that defines you. Anybody? I see hands going up. but no. Come on, guys. It's not that hard. Batman. Batman. Absolutely. It was Lois Lane. Lois Lane? No, who am I talking about? Uh, the girl. I forget. Lois Lane is the other movie. Okay. That was talking to Bruce Wayne... And she says to Bruce Wayne, because Bruce Wayne was saying, he's talking about how he's Batman, whatever. She says, it's not who you say you are, Bruce. It's what you do that defines you. See, here's the point. Anybody can say they're a Christian. Anybody can say, I, I love God. We can come to church as a husband or a wife, and we can do many things that are very Christian-like. But the way you live... When we talk about being visual and we talk about producing bad behavior and producing poor commitments and producing things that are just not right, it's what you do that defines you. I do believe that. 
See, we tend to put ourselves out in areas that we know we need to really uh, live up to it. There's such a thing, I've heard this many times, where sometimes people look at, because we talk about men being visual, have you ever heard the terminology eye candy? Oh, that's, that's just, just eye candy. Or you're, you're very easy on the eyes. And that's because a lot of times we look at somebody and we think they are great, beautiful, foxy, whatever you want to say, you know. And uh, because we are very visual, we, we, be, we must go deeper than what we see on the surface. Am I dating myself here? Is that saying that, foxy? Anyway. Um, so question question, what do you want for your future? Come on, this is really important. I remember many years ago, about 2013, I was playing with my computer and I got into, remember, everybody heard of Christian Mingle? It's a Christian dating site. And I'm thinking, ah, I'm going to check this out, see what happens. I was on it for three months and I actually made some very good friendships and was able to counsel many of the women that were on there. But what happened... <laughs> And it did. It actually worked out that way because a lot, a lot of the women on that dating site had so many issues that they would call me to counsel them. So it worked out that way. But anyway, the thing that was interesting, on the few dates that I did have, we would talk, we would pick a location here in San Diego, a restaurant, and we would, I would show up and almost every single time, I would find her in the bar or waiting for me or sitting at the table with a big old drink already half drunk, you know. And I would walk in. And I go, oh, you're, you're Karen. Uh, yeah, you're George. And so we, we talked. I hugged her. And I could tell, sheesh. And it, ha it happened. It happened many times, many times. And right away, I knew from the very beginning I'm not interested. From the very beginning, that was first and last date. <laughs> and it's like, wasn't, because see, you have to be very selective. You, I, I'm looking, you know, I am single. I am looking for someone that's foxy. <laughs> Thank you. But that will be a good partner. Let me, let me give you an example, okay, where men are visual. Men are visual. I got off work one time. I was still working at the time, and uh, I worked uh, for a construction company, and we were doing a job here in San Diego, and we, we dug trenches. I dug a lot of trenches, and then we had to get in the ground, put pipe together, and on and on and on. This one particular job, I was in the ditch underneath the tree, and I was trying to glue this pipe together. Finished the job, you know, closed it up, jumped in my truck, I was riding home and I was thirsty. And I was, uh, I stopped on the way home at a gas station, wanted to get something to drink. I walked in and um, got myself an iced tea, went to the counter, and there was this cute girl behind the counter with a big smile on her face. She was looking at me. And let me tell you something. When you get to be my age, when a young, cute girl looks at you, it's a big deal. <laughs> It is. It's like, wow, okay, I still got it. <laughs> you know, that's great. And so she sat there and just smiled at me, you know, and I got my iced tea and I paid for it and I walked outside and it felt good, to be honest with you. 
and I jumped in my truck and I was driving home. Then I looked in the mirror and I didn't realize that I had a big old gob of glue stuck at the end of my nose. <laughs> and it wasn't that it wasn't so much as she liked me. She was actually laughing at me. <laughs> and I, th I, th I think that's when the, you know, the bubble was burst, you know, and it bummed me out. I'm thinking, what a bummer. It's like, so yeah, we're visual, you know, and, uh, we're led many times by emotions, by feelings. We have a, 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 we have a tendency to say, you know, how can this be so wrong if it feels so right? You remember that saying? People used to say it all the time. How can this be so wrong if it feels so right? But what's needed in a relationship is godly character. Amen. That's, That's what you want. Not, you know, nothing wrong with being nice looking. You, you want that too. You got to make a wise choice because you're going to wake up with him every day. <laughs> Come on, let's be realistic. So, but the point is, the point is, the point is, is you want godly character. That's what you want. You know, there's, there's, there's some, there's some, I don't, I don't have the time. I was going to read a little bit from the book here, but I'm going to let it go. But it basically talks about so much how uh, uh, many times men and women both make that mistake because they're being led by something that they're feeling or an emotion. And it tends to send them the wrong direction because in reality, it's not the person that they need to have. One of the first things that I did in Africa when I started this is I was teaching the young girls and I was telling them, look, the first thing you guys need to do is you need to have boundaries. You have to have boundaries. You can't just go into any relationship with no boundaries because many times men will take advantage of that. You've got to have boundaries. And what I would teach them, what I would teach them, if your boyfriend starts pushing you for sex, and you tell them, both of you are Christians, and you tell them, no, we're going to do things right. We're going to wait till marriage. And he pushes and pushes and pushes. First thing I tell her is, dump him. He's not the right one for you. Because he's after your body, not after you. Dump him. Get rid of him. But if he sits there and realizes, you know, I want you so bad, I want you that I will wait, then you have something to go with. Let me tell you how this works. Ephesians chapter 5, Paul the Apostle talks about husbands love your wives, wives submit to your husbands. And it goes into that, have respect for your husbands. So I asked the question in many of these conferences that I've done, I asked the questions, men, how is a husband, how does a husband love his wife? Give me one word. And I was at a pastor's leadership conference in Kenya a couple years ago. And I asked that question. Everybody got real quiet. Nobody would answer. Come on, one word. How does, a how does a man love his wife? How does a husband love his wife? Give me one word. Finally, someone in the back yelled out, sacrifice. Absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. A husband will teach, will, will, will love his wife 
Because if you look, if you look at even the, the, I mean, without going into all the detail, I mean, you, come on, you, common sense. A husband is the giver, she's the receiver. A husband loves, she submits to that love. I mean, it's, it, it, it respects him. So he sacrifices for her in every part of his life to give her the love that she so desires. So I teach young girls, from the time you're dating your boyfriend, you teach him to sacrifice for you. You tell him, no, until we're married. And you teach him, I want you. I'm not so much after you, but I want you. And I will be willing to sacrifice this for you. So when they're dating, you teach that young girl to teach her boyfriend sacrifice so that when they get married, he already learned how to sacrifice for his wife. It works. Because she needs that love from her husband. And he learns that beginning in the dating process. I want to have a few more minutes, but I'm almost done. Hang in there. So there's main points that I want to bring out tonight. I always, a lot of times I teach couples, you know, you need, you need to look at the main points of your relationship, the person that you're planning on getting married to. You know, there's main things that are, are, are you, you can't let them go. They're, they're, they're important. They're, they're established. They're foundational in a relationship. Everything else can be adjusted. Everything else will fall into place especially when you come into a relationship like a blended family or you've been, you've been married before, you've never been married, but whatever. There's got to be some realm of adjustment. But the main points are the main points. You've got to keep them in place. And the very first thing, the very first thing is the person, you know, even in my own life, the very first thing, she has to be born again, spirit-filled. Absolutely. And not hanging out in the bar. Absolutely. She's got to be in love with Jesus. The sad truth to this is many have fallen because they married a non-Christian or a weak one or a mistake that is made that uh, they marry in hopes of what they can become instead of loving what they have right now, absolutely comfortable with where they're at right now. You cannot marry someone in hopes what they can become or the idea that you are strong enough to change them to bring them up to where you're at, to your level because they may never get there. And I've seen so many, many young women that have fallen or fallen short of their relationship with God because they married somebody that was not walking with God the way he's supposed to at all, and he brings her down to his level instead of her bringing him to her level. It works like that most every time. First of all, your young lady here, you're not married, you need to make sure that the person that you choose is on fire for God, that loves the Lord with all his heart, that you see that. And there's so many, many other things that I could add to that, but that's primary. You have to give it time to where you see that uh, play out in his life. I was at a conference a couple years ago here in San Diego. Morning sessions ended. They had lunch there for everybody. Grabbed my lunch, and I sat down. This lady sat down next to me. We began to talk. In the process of the conversation, she tells me that her husband told her she was a, that he was a Christian, loved the Lord. She believed him. She married him. She says, he has not been to church one time ever since we've been married. 
And many, many times a man will tell a woman whatever they want to hear in order to get her. You got to be wise in the decisions that you make because they will affect your life for decades to come. You got to make sure that they love the Lord with all their heart. You need to make sure you look for someone who will challenge you to go deeper with God. Someone who will intercede for you that knows how to get a hold of God. A wife who knows that her husband can hear from God. Quick example. I want to get a few minutes. Um, Ezekiel 22.30 talks about standing in the gap for somebody. And I really love the example. I always share the example of my brother Cesar uh, and my, my, uh, my do- um, sister-in-law Gloria. They have a great relationship, and I always appreciate their relationship. I know that Josiah and Ashley have this relationship as well, because I'll never forget a story. We were in uh, um, Peru, South, uh, South America, and we were ministering, and there was a man that uh, Cesar had just finished preaching in a church, and there was a man that walked up to him. It was, and, and Peru is very extremely humid, close to the equator, very humid, and this man walks in with a trench coat. And everybody looks at him like, dude, you got to be crazy. It's like uh, nobody thinks, thinks anything of it. Everybody goes on with the service. <coughs> he walks right up to Cesar, my brother, and stands in front of him and opens his trench coat, and he has this long machete. He says, I have been sent here to kill you. At that exact moment, the Lord wakes up his wife, Gloria, here in San Diego. They lived in Poway. She knew that there was an urgency, and she gets up and intercedes. Cesar says, what are you going to do? He says, I can't do it. Closed the trench coat, ran outside. Other people went after him. We got back to San Diego, and Gloria meets him at the airport. She puts her arms inside. What happened, Cesar? They <laughs> like, what do you mean? She goes, something happened. The Lord woke me up. So they, they exchanged the time frame, and it was exactly at that time when the Lord woke her up. Let me tell you something, guys. You need a woman like that. You need a woman that will sit there and intercede for you because many times it could be a life and death situation that you need her to stand up and, and do spiritual warfare. In the same way, young ladies, you need a husband that knows how to hear from God that knows how to get between the throne and cry out to God on behalf of his family, for his kids, for you, regardless of what it takes. you got to pick wisely somebody that you know is going to be the right person for you. That's going to affect your life for decades to come. You need to pick someone who walks in mercy, and forgiveness and humility. And it's not judgmental or given to anger. Because there will be many times, I guarantee you, men or women, you will fail or you will fall short in your relationship. And we will need a partner that walks in the mercy and understanding and forgiveness and the grace of God. Because that will carry you. That will carry you. And your marriage will last a lifetime if you know that you picked a good person that just gets a hold of God and intercedes for his or her marriage. Number two, you need to pick someone that loves to laugh, that has a sense of humor. Why is this important? Because life is hard many times. 
It helps to have a positive attitude. I can't stand being around somebody that's always negative. Nobody can. Come on. Life, life can be hard. Life can be tough. Life is not always fair. So yet somebody that says to each other, baby, we can make it together. We're going to pull through. We're going to pull through. Proverbs 17:22 basically says that a merry heart is like a medicine to the bones. Have somebody that loves to laugh and, and be humorous with you, that enjoys being with you. And number three, you need to pick someone that's going to be involved. An involved dad or mom for your kids and for each other. Somebody that wants to be with family. See, I made this mistake when I married Josiah's mom. I was an evangelist. I, I was out trying to save the world. I had a television program. I had a training center downtown San Diego. I had teams that were going out on the streets Friday and Saturday night. I had classes throughout the week. I was gone out trying to save the world, and yet uh, she was home with Josiah and Shoshana, my daughter. They were, they were young. I made that mistake. I overcommitted myself, but I did correct it when I realized I was about ready to lose my family. You need a mom or a dad that's going to be there for you and your kids because you realize that they're a gift from God. And then number four, you need somebody that has a strong worth ethic. See, that's one thing I, I'm so grateful to God in my own life. I've never been afraid of work. I've always been a hard worker. No matter where I had to go, all over Southern California, I would drive sometimes two, two and a half hours one way to do a job because I knew it's going to pay the bills. That's very important. Everything else many times will adjust itself. As I close, just to fulfill a goal in a relationship, just to sit there and tell your partner, let's focus on this for our future. Let's work on buying a house. You know, Proverbs 13, 22 says, a father leaves an inheritance to his children and his children's children. That's what we do. You want to do that. You know, you want to take vacations. You want to enjoy each other. I want to share a couple scriptures and I'm going to stop. I have been praying this for many, many, many years. It's in um, Isaiah 54, 13. Amplified Bible says, my, my children shall be taught of the Lord, and great is the peace and the composure of my children. And whenever I, 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 whenever I quote that, I mention my children, Shoshana, Josiah, and Clay, and now Emma and Judah, shall be taught of the Lord, and great is the composure and the peace of Shoshana, Josiah, and Clay, Emma, and Judah. And lastly, Isaiah 59, Isaiah 59, verse 21. I have been quoting this for years from my kids. As for me, this is my covenant with them, saith the Lord. My spirit that is upon thee and my words which I have put in your mouth shall not depart out of your mouth 
nor out of the mouth of Shoshana, Josiah, and Clay, and Judah, nor out of the mouth of your seed's seed, saith the Lord from henceforth forevermore. I quote that, and I mention my kids and claim that the covenant that I have with my Lord follows them, and they will fulfill it as well. Father, thank you for tonight. I know we got to stop. Thank you for grace. And Lord God, I just pray every, every person here that, that wants a partner, wants to want someone in your life, God, grant that desire for them. Bless them with a good partner, Lord, that loves you and is dedicated to you more than anything that will benefit their life and help their potential to be accomplished that you've given to them. And those that are married, my Lord God, keep them strong, protect them from the evil one, protect the kids and bless them, Father, abundantly and help them to always realize and remember that they are a gift to one another. In Jesus' name, amen.